the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas without any data to back that up. Bringing you the latest in all sports news from KCAC to AAC to the NBA to the NFL to the NCAA. You get all of that right here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your host, Anthony Smith. I know it's been probably a little over a week since I've been on here kind of caught up in the holiday festivities some things have slipped by and here we are trying to make it toward the end of the year and a lot has gone on I mean bowl games on top of bowl games on top of bowl games there are so many bowl games I start to develop an appetite trying to pick out which bowl I want to eat from do I want to eat from the Tostitos Bowl? Do I want to eat from the Pop-Tarts Bowl? I mean, there are some bowls that got food names to it. Anyway, hope you have all had a wonderful Christmas. Hope you're ready to take this ride along with me. Speaking of bowl games, there was one called the Guaranteed Rate Bowl that was played on Tuesday. Had a lot of fireworks in that game. When I say a lot of fireworks, first of all, you look at a team, the Kansas Jayhawks, who ended their season with a win last night of 9-4 and four over a very game UNLV running Rebels, who ended their season 9-5, and five, were 6-2 and two in the Mountain West Conference. But there are some Key observations as Kansas football defeats UNLV for the guaranteed rate bowl victory. Kansas football secured a 49-36 triumph over UNLV on Tuesday in the guaranteed rate bowl. Here are three observations from the Jayhawks 9-4, 5-4 in Big 12 Conference win against the Rebels 9-5, 6-2 in Mountain West Conference. Kansas wins its first bowl game in more than a decade. Prior to Tuesday, Kansas had not won a bowl game since claiming a victory in the Insight Bowl in 2008. The Jayhawks topped Minnesota in a 42-21 victory that year, which saw them finish with a winning record for the last time prior to this season. That drought is over following Kansas's win against UNLV. It's another step forward for the Jayhawks program under head coach Lance Leipold, who in three years has led a turnaround that has shocked many across the college football landscape. It also means Kansas has won nine games in the season for the first time since 2007. Kansas wide receivers make highlight play after highlight play. Turnovers were a problem during the contest for Kansas. Redshirt senior quarterback Jason Bean finished with three interceptions despite 
also throwing for 449 yards and six touchdowns. Junior wide receiver Luke Grimm, also known as the Grim Reaper, had three touchdown catches and 160 yards receiving. Junior wide receiver Lawrence Arnold had three touchdown catches and 132 yards receiving. And the two did so while combining for 10 catches. Penalties, penalties, and more penalties. This game got to a point where it felt remarkable when there wasn't a flag thrown during a play. The crowd became annoyed by how regularly penalties were being called at times. It made a game that should have been over much quicker take even longer due to miscues by both squads. At game's end, Kansas was called for 18 penalties that went for 210 yards. UNLV was called for 9 penalties that went for 99 yards. The disparity certainly allowed the Rebels to have more of a chance to top the Jayhawks than they would have had otherwise. So, what do you think about KU's performance? What do you think about Jason Dean? Do you think Jason Bean has a possibility of maybe at least putting on the uniform at the next level? Yes, I'm talking about NFL. I know he wasn't a starting quarterback, but he pretty much carried this team the last year and a half, especially the situation with Jalen Daniels and this back tightening and whatever the case may be. Is there a possibility, say... Jason Dean ends up being selected because someone decided to opt out of the East-West Shrine Bowl game and someone looks at Jason Dean's performance and says, let's give this kid a try, which in essence put him in eye view of NFL scouts because when you play those college all-star games, you're playing in front of pro scouts. Scouts that was working with you, saying this kid, we could probably coach him up, give him a roster spot, live, or give him a chance to make the team. And if he doesn't, there's always, I know you may laugh at this, but there's always the USFL or the XFL. And I think last I heard, those two leagues might just merge under one umbrella. Anyway, still looking at this bowl game. Seems like a lot of games played in these bowls happen to have a lot of chippiness to them. I want to have any one of you noticed that uh, we saw a little disturbance at the end of the uh, KU game. I guess one of the defenders for you know, if he took exception to the fact that maybe Jason Bean didn't take a knee or he didn't think he took a knee, so he got ready to take a shot at quarterback, and KU players weren't having that. But I also seen some chippiness in the game prior to that, which would have been Texas State versus Rice. And speaking of that game, Rice had a particular player who has really turned some heads. 
I think he was all conference in the AAC. He would be playing in the East-West Shrine game that I mentioned earlier by the name of A.J. McCaffrey, who started his journey, I believe, at Nebraska as a quarterback, ended up becoming a wide receiver. And the kid looks like he can play. Be interested to see where his journey takes him. But even their game was a little bit testy. Of course, that's what happens when you get two schools from the state of Texas. You probably have a lot of kids on those rosters from the state of Texas. And on top of that, they were playing in the state of Texas on the campus of SMU. So, But I just want to know, have you noticed like I have, there's a lot of, seems to be a lot of chippiness going on in some of these games. Well, what I want to do now is I want to shift around a little bit and look at some NFL talk because there are five leading NFL Coach of the Year candidates entering Week 17. As the 2023 regular season draws to a close, the Coach of the Year race has seen several candidates make a late push for the award with Week 16 in the books. Here are the leading candidates for NFL Coach of the Year award. Number five, John Harbaugh, Baltimore Ravens. Having a loaded roster could preclude a candidate from winning Coach of the Year, though Harbaugh and his Ravens, 12-3, haven't had an easy road to the top of the AFC standings, despite concerns surrounding quarterback Lamar Jackson's potential to win a championship as well as key injuries to running back J.K. Dobbins and tight end Mark Andrews. Baltimore managed to emerge as one of the league's top offenses. The Ravens ranked fourth in points, 27.8, and fifth in yards per game, 372.1, while leading the NFL in rushing 159.7 yards per game. Defensively, the Ravens have arguably the most dominant unit of any team as they allow the fewest points and six fewest yards per game, 297.3. Of course, them being one of the best defenses in the league shouldn't be no surprise. That's what John Harbaugh has basically built his team off of, is being one of the best defenses, not just this year, but usually year in and year out. However, there shouldn't be much of a surprise since they have talents like linebacker Roquan Smith and safety Kyle Hamilton and will consequently hinder Harbaugh's Coach of the Year bid. Still, Harbaugh should surely prefer a second Super Bowl ring over another Coach of the Year award. Coming in at number four, Shane Steichen, Indianapolis Colts. Steichen's candidacy has taken a hit with Colts 8-7 and seven, dropping two of their last three games. But his case deserves to be highlighted even if he likely won't win the award. Indianapolis has been one of the biggest surprises in the NFL this season considering that the odds makers didn't expect much from the team, setting its win total at 6.5 games, which it surpassed in Week 13. Now, with two games remaining, the Colts hold the final AFC wildcard spot and remain 
in play for the division title as they are locked in a three-way tie for first place. It's an impressive feat to be in in this position at this point of the season, especially for a first-year head coach, and even more so for one that has the ninth best scoring offense, 23.6 points per game with a backup quarterback. As long as fourth overall pick Anthony Richardson pans out, Steichen should be a perennial contender for Coach of the Year for the foreseeable future. So tell you what I'm going to do right here. I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I will conclude this list of possible coaching candidates. So don't you go nowhere. Stay seated till the ride is over. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Chip, crack, or completely broken, does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man. Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the glass man. Hey, glass man. The glass man will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that will make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, glass man. Bring your vehicle to the glass man just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit, 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. As we look at these coaching candidates for Coach of the Year Award. So the first one we gave you was John Harbaugh, Baltimore Ravens. Then we gave you a look at Shane Steichen of the Indianapolis Colts, which now brings us to Mike McDaniel, Miami Dolphins. The AFC East leading Dolphins 11-4, and McDaniel finally silenced some critics after earning their first win of the season against a team with a winning record last week. Nonetheless, the victory and the division title probably still won't be enough for McDaniel to take home Coach of the Year award, even if he has solidified himself as one of the brightest offensive minds in the NFL. McDaniel has guided Miami to the number one offense in terms of scoring 30.9 and total yards per 411 411.5 the season while boasting the fifth best rushing attack, 136.4 yards per game. Additionally, McDaniel's offensive scheme has produced a 4,000-yard passer in Tua Tagovailoa, two 1,000-yard receivers in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, as well as a 1,000-yard rusher in Raheem Mostert. The historic performance of the offense has overshadowed the dominance of McDaniel's defense, which has allowed the fewest points, 15.9, and yards, 253.8 per game since QB Jalen Daniels, Jalen Ramsey's Dolphins debut in Week 8. Even so, coaching such a star-studded roster will be deterrent will 
be detrimental to McDaniel's Coach of the Year award campaign, but he is worthy of being a finalist. Coming into number two spot, Kevin Stefanski, Cleveland Browns. Although Cleveland entered the 2023 with perhaps its most talented roster in franchise history, it has overcome plenty of adversity to reach its 10-5 record, largely due to Stefanski's guidance. The Browns have the top-ranked off, top-ranked defense in the NFL in terms of yards allowed, but it's the unexpected success the offense has enjoyed that makes Stefanski's Coach of the Year case so compelling. The Browns dealt with injuries and inconsistent performance from QB Deshaun Watson before he was shut down for the season, and they haven't missed much of, much of a beat since. They've won games with former XFL standout P.J. Walker, fifth-round rookie Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and 38-year-old Joe Flacco, becoming the 17th since 1950 to reach 10 wins with four different quarterbacks per ESPN's Jake Trotter. Oh, and they've also been doing it all without star running back Nick Chubb, who suffered a season-ending knee injury in week two. And number one, Dan Campbell, Detroit Lions. Much has changed since we ranked Coach of the Year candidates in week eight. Except for the front runner, Campbell has been the odds on favorite for the award since Detroit's convincing season opening win over the Kansas City Chiefs and will be difficult to unseat after leading the Lions to their first division title in 30 years. While the Lions, 11 and 4, have clearly been the top team in the NFC North throughout the season, they've shown some glaring weaknesses since their week 9 bye. Over the last seven games, Detroit has allowed the fourth most points, 190, and 10th most yards, 2,507, in the NFL, yet compiled a 5-2 record. Great coaching can mask a lot of teams' deficiencies, and Campbell's staff has done exactly that during this current stretch. If the Lions can secure a win in Dallas this week, Campbell should be all but guaranteed Coach of the Year honors. And some more related news while we're looking at the NFL. Detroit head coach Dan Campbell reacts to the Lions winning the NFC North for the first time in 30 years. In 1993, Bill Clinton began his run inside the Oval Office as the 42nd President of the United States. Michael Jackson put on perhaps the greatest Super Bowl halftime show of all time. Oh, and the Detroit Lions, 11-4, won a division title for the fourth time in franchise history. You see, a lot has changed over the past 30 years, though one thing that has remained the same. The Lions still have four division titles under their belt. Well... That was until Sunday when the D, when Detroit finally got over the hump as a franchise with their 30-24 Week 16 road victory over the Minnesota Vikings 7-8 and 
the Lions officially clinched the NFC North for, yes, their first division title in three decades. This is special. This is special, head coach Dan Campbell said after the game via NFL.com. It's something you don't get to do all the time. They're always special to win a division. I don't care how many of them you get because of the work that goes into it. But to do something that hadn't been done in 30 years for a team is special. And that's a special group of men in there that are staying, that are staying tame at this point. So, Lions attempting to snap another streak after clinching division title. In addition to their first division title in 30 years, Detroit is headed to the postseason for the first time since 2016. It's quite the accomplishment for the Lions and Campbell who got off to a rocky start together. Campbell started his tenure with the 3-13-1 campaign in 2021 before getting off to a 1-6 start last season. Since then, the Lions have been one of the NFL's best going 19-6. It's pretty exciting, man. It really is, it really is quarterback Jared Goff said. It's been a lot of hard work. A long time coming. We got a special group of men. We really do. This was hard fought. It wasn't pretty there at the end, but we got it done. Next up for the Lions is find a way to win in January when it matters. Detroit is sitting on a 32-year drought of failing to notch a playoff victory, but will be well positioned to do so this season. The Lions remain in play for the number one overall seed in the NFC right there with the San Francisco 49ers 11-3. It's emotional, but it's just the beginning for us, Golf said. It's the first check mark for us, and I get emotional thinking about all the guys that went through 3-13, and went through 1-6 early last year, and now can stand here, NFC North champ. So, there you have that feel-good story known as the Detroit Lions. My question now is, do you think they can sustain it for the years to come and be a major force to be reckoned with in the NFL? Well, What I'm going to do right here, I'm going to take another quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to bring the train into the station. It is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. We'll be right back. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita, including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel, and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. 
we have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. Need a haircut? Do like I do. Go to 256 North Topeka, Midtown Barbershop. Two seasoned barbers on staff. You have Malcolm and you have Tony. Specializing in bald haircuts, bald fades, mustache, and beard trims. You name it, they can do it. That's right. That's Malcolm. That's Tony at Midtown Barbershop. 256 North Topeka. You may walk in looking like five bucks, but by the time they get through you'll walk out looking like brand new money. That's Midtown Barbershop with Tony and Malcolm. Tell them the A-Train sent you. And now, back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This here will probably be my last segment and probably the shortest segment I've ever done. I want to take a look at why the Browns path number one seed is still possible. With the Ravens 12-3 win over the 49ers 11-4 in week 16, the Browns' chance of being AFC's number one seed by regular season end certainly took a hit. But here is why there is still a very realistic chance Cleveland steals it away from Baltimore over the next two weeks. First and foremost, the Browns must win out. They host the Jets 6-9 and nine in Week 17 and then go on the road to face the Bengals 8-7, and seven, who they defeated 24-3 in Week 1 in the regular season finale. Cleveland will likely be the favorite to win both games, and if it does win out, it will be 12-5, Four and two in its division and nine and three in the AFC. The next scenario that must play out is Baltimore losing out. This is probably the most unlikely thing to happen, especially after its dominant win over San Francisco. But the Ravens' remaining schedule is not easy. They host the Dolphins, eleven and four, who boasts the league's best offense. In total yards per game, 411.5, and points per game, 30.9. And then the Steelers, 8-7, who they lost to 17-10 in Week 5. The Steelers could be fighting for a playoff berth in Week 18. Obviously, a lot of time has passed since the Ravens last played the Steelers. But divisional games always seem to be close. If Baltimore does lose out, it will be 12-5, and 3-3 three and three in its division, 7-5 in the AFC, handing the AFC North to Cleveland. Lastly, Miami must lose in Week 18 to the Bills, 9-6, who it lost to 48-20 earlier this season after defeating the Ravens next week. If the Dolphins do exactly what they will if the Dolphins do exactly that, they will be 12-5, and 4-2 in this division, 8-4 in the AFC, making them the AFC's number two seed and the Browns' 
the number one seed. The path to the AFC number one seed is clearly not an easy one for the Browns as the Ravens and Dolphins have strong cases to make of their own. But fans shouldn't give up hope on their shouldn't give up on their hopes of being atop the conference just yet with an important two weeks ahead. So there you have it. My final segment. And like I said, it may be a short segment, but it was very informative as to why Cleveland has maybe a slight chance at claiming the number one seed in the AFC. Well, this has been another edition of the A Train Sports Talk podcast. Once again, hope you all have had a very Merry Christmas. Hope you have enjoyed the ride on this train. It was a short ride, but I hope it was just as entertaining as a longer ride. Until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. Be blessed. I'm out.